Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another round of the 2020 preseason Dirty 35 Prospect Countdown. Uh, I am your host. I'm Kyle Reese for Birds on the Black. Thank you so much for being a part of our little countdown as I try to prop you up on the, the sill here in my, my shower area, as it were. Um, sorry if the quality of this isn't particularly good. I'm trying my best. Uh, we are doing this section of the countdown, prospects 30 through 26 in the shower. Now, it dawned on me that uh, uh, I hadn't done this in a while, and there were people actually telling me not to do it, but also people telling me to do it in my Twitter mentions. So here we are, fam. Uh, I guess we could start by recapping uh, 35 through 31. Prospect number 35 is left-handed pitcher Ricardo Sanchez. Prospect number 34 is shortstop Delvin Perez. Prospect number 33 is Chandler Redmond, kind of a utility infielder. Prospect number 32 is Juan Yepes. Uh, he's kind of a utility player. He plays a little outfield along with first and third. Uh, and prospect number 31 is Evan Mendoza, who plays third. Looks like he's going to play a little short in the Cardinals, uh, 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 um, in the Cardinals organization this coming year, which is good. Played a little bit of first last year, and we weren't happy with that. So we'll pick up right with prospect number 30. Prospect number 30 is 25-year-old right-handed pitcher Alex Fagalde. Uh, Fagalde, as it were. I don't know why I got really fancy. Maybe it's because I'm in the shower, and I thought, hey, I can be fancy now. I can be a clean boy in this here shower. Um, yeah, so Alex Fagalde is a right-handed pitcher. Uh, 20, or, uh, oh, man, now I don't remember. Maybe a 30th-round pick somewhere around there. Uh, a couple years back, uh, Fagalde... Is a really interesting pitcher because he's always put up a good ERA. He has a good strike to walk ratio. He has tremendous command of an entire arsenal. And there really is just a lot to like about him. Uh, I would suggest that I'm probably the low man on the totem pole for him uh, as compared to others as I scrub my face here because I've seen him get hit hard. And it's a weird thing with Fagalde. He's, he has good size, he's six foot three. Uh, 220-ish pounds. You know, he's not hes not one of the 6'5 monsters, but he's also not small. He commands his arsenal so well that he, he just dominated the lower levels. Uh, you know, it, it, I guess the, the easiest way to describe Fagalde is with that command, even though he only throws a fastball in the 90s, the low 90s, that's usually in the, the mid-80s, uh, he can get away, pardon me, he can get away with doing some really interesting things with his curveball, his change, and his slider. Uh, you know, what we saw is this guy who had hardly ever been hit during the 2018 or 2017 season. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm fully distracted here in the shower, uh, more than I thought I would be. Uh, I can't find a good spot for the microphone, and my phone is getting all wet. Uh, so yeah, the deal with Begalde, uh all this command... It doesn't really do anything spectacular. Sometimes his slider is really good. His fastball doesn't have a ton of movement, but he can really locate it pretty well wherever he wants to. Wants to. One thing I was wrong about in the past is, I, like, I would see him, and it didn't really seem like he was always hitting his spots. And, uh, you know, this year I was definitely in awe of his ability to hit his spots. I mean, he really does have just probably the best command in the organization. Uh, it's a tough thing to really gauge, so the best command in the organization. But what we saw out of him in 2019 is once he got promoted to Springfield, he started getting beat around. And uh, I, like I mentioned a little while ago before I got super distracted, um, 
He got he got beat around and he was hit hard, but he has this way of getting hit hard and and the ball going right to a fielder. And I don't know if I've ever seen it like this dramatic with a pitcher before. And that like that's what we saw. So what ended up happening is they started getting beaten around in Springfield. The balls were falling; they were finding holes. We also found out that the advanced hitters at Double A AA and Triple A they lay off of that breaking ball or the fastball on the outside corner that isn't a strike. So he's not getting cheap strikes, or not, it's not cheap strikes, but he's not getting crafty strikes. So what ends up happening is he, he, you know, he tries to get it a little bit more into the plate, and it's a little too over the plate. And these advanced hitters are kind of, by the end of the season, were beating him up a little bit. Now he did have an IL stint. Uh, he did fatigue out at the end of the year, and while the end of his season was really bad and cause for concern. I want to keep all of that in mind because he his command is so good that and he's you know when you have a pitcher who's 25 years old with great command it's exciting that they're you know two steps away from the major leagues and when you see a slider and his curveball combo and sometimes it's changed with his fastball you're like all right that's a pitcher who can actually pitch at the major league level I, I think ideally he profiles best out of the bullpen if he ever makes it but you know he's at that point now where he has the like a very very narrow window uh, to continue to impress, 25 years old at Double A, it's not going to take many beatings uh, for him to to find a new location, maybe in another organization or somewhere else. But I don't foresee that happening. I, I don't think he's going to be as bad as he was at the end of the year. Uh, I, I think you're talking about something a, a little bit better than that, uh, and and hopefully he continues to progress and continues to really feel out those corners uh, and the black part of the plate. And uh, prospect number 30, right-handed pitcher Alex Fagalde, ends up continuing to build and find uh, the, the, the the pitching success that we have seen in the past. Um, he, he just gets hit so hard sometimes. And it's it's right at people and it's positive. But, you know, I've, I've always been a low man on Alex Fagalde. So understand that even at 30 right now, he might deserve to be a little higher than that. Uh, but but that's where I have him. And I put him there in, like, in reverence to the, the type of uh, positive uh, season he's had uh, and seasons in minor league career thus far. Uh, prospect number 30, uh, Alex Fagalde. Prospect number 29 is right-handed pitcher Tommy Parsons. Now, Tommy Parsons is going to be 24. Uh, Parsons goes ahead of Fagalde on the list. Uh, first off, Parsons made it to AAA. That was more about timing than anything about opportunity. Uh, he's he's about the same size, maybe six foot four, six foot three, six foot two, uh, as Alex Fagalde. He's leaner than Fagalde. I'd like to see him beef up just a little bit, but he gets the spot higher because a he has more velocity, uh, not substantially more, but he has more velocity. And there are times when his changeup can be a plus pitch. And his curveball can be a well above average pitch. His issue is consistency uh, and feel. It's more, you know sometimes I say consistency, and what I mean is feel. But with Parsons, the issue is that he doesn't always have a feel for his changeup or his curveball. When he's feeling one or the other, uh, when he's pairing it with this fastball, he can be absolutely filthy and nasty and downright. Uh, 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 dominant, believe it or not, and that's crazy to think for somebody, you know, 29th overall who's th- 24, coming from a Division three school, you know, uh, get, makes it to AAA from Division three in under 15 months. You know, th- that's amazing. It's an incredible story. But he he's like 
you can see that there's something extra about him. In the article, I mentioned that you know in 20, uh, 2002, the Cardinals brought up and broke camp with Jason Simontacci. And I remember Jason Simontacci coming out of nowhere, not really having a ton of like defined, you know, like minor league stats that really made him pop out. But he did enough and was kind of the same pitcher at the minors as he was at the majors, which you can't always count on. And that's what I think we see with Parsons. I think Parsons is pretty well developed. He's smart. He has a plan of attack. He's a feisty competitor. Uh, uh, and he loves baseball, and he's smart about what he has and what he's capable of doing. The consistency of the feel of his secondary offerings are what's going to be important. Uh, I would imagine he gets a chance to start the year at AAA uh, pitching uh, out of the rotation. Of course, that all depends on what happens ahead of him uh, in regards to the Cardinals pitching staff, especially now with Miles Michaelis being hurt and who fills that rotation spot and who's in the bullpen and how the guys who don't make uh, uh, the Major League roster end up backfilling to Memphis. I would imagine that that'll play uh, uh, or have a hand to do with where Parsons starts the year. But uh, Tommy Parsons is the kind of pitcher that when you watch him, he, he gets like Sometimes his curveball is unhittable. Sometimes his changeup is unhittable. Sometimes his fastball is unhittable. But there are times when he clearly does not have a feel for any of those three pitches. And even and this is why I know that he has a major league debut in his career if he can stay uh, uh, stay healthy. Is even with those um, those issues, he can still be effective. And that's like sometimes that's it's it's as simple as that. Sometimes that's what you're looking for when you're looking and evaluating minor league pitchers. But uh, the, the you know if his fastball and changeup are working, you're talking about something similar to you know not peak Michael Waka, but something similar to that with a curveball that, that can play a little bit better. Uh, you know, not 2013 Waka, not 2014 Waka, but maybe what we saw uh, out of us you know at his best, not what to expect, but. At his best, what we saw out of Michael Waka before he got hurt in 2018. Uh, that's prospect number 29, uh, a right-handed pitcher, Tommy Parsons. Uh, like Parsons a lot. Uh, prospect number 28 on the list is outfielder Justin Turner. Now, I, I, I got to turn the shower off, guys. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just sitting in here now. Uh, and by sitting, I mean standing. I don't want to paint too vivid of a picture. But um, uh, so, anyways, prospect number twenty-eight is Justin Turner, outfielder. Uh, Justin Turner was a player that moved through the system. He was drafted in twenty eighteen. Moved through the system super quick. Uh, you know, he drafted in twenty eighteen. By the end of twenty eighteen, he was already playing at Palm Beach. That's rare. And the reason that he made it that quick, that high, is because he has a tremendous contact tool. Now, I pigeonholed him uh, and uh, unjustly typecast him as a slap hitter. Uh, without a lot of athleticism because that's kind of what I saw that profile without really watching the player. And when I watched him, I was allowing my thoughts on him to project instead of just watching and being raw and natural. For whatever reason, I think it's because in the past we've seen this player, uh, this type of player fizzle out. And I, I didn't respect him the way I should have. He should have been higher on the Dirty 35 last preseason. He should have been higher on the Dirty 35 when we did the preseason, the writing. Uh, but I had, I've had i undervalued him and I've underappreciated him. And, you know, it might seem now you think, oh, Prospect 28, what do you mean by this? But I'm trying to show proper appreciation for him now. Uh, the, the one thing that stands out with Turner when you're watching him on a regular basis, on an everyday basis, is that he's fearless. He uh, He is an all... Like, all-out athlete. You know, we say that about a lot of people, but there are a few people 
that are willing to put themselves in harm's way the way that Justin Turner is. You know, Justin Turner is the guy in the minors that if you could plow over catchers, he'd be the one to plow over a catcher. We saw him go over the wall twice in Tulsa in right field. Now, the wall is only about four feet high, uh, but we saw him go over the wall twice to make plays, make catches, uh, going over the wall and coming up with the catch, including one that ended up being a walk-off catch because it was the last out of the game and it won Springfield the game. His season ended on August 13th because he went as hard and as fast as he could to a ball in the as a center, playing center field uh, to a ball in the, the left center field gap, caught the ball and ran as hard as a person going 22 or 20 or 18 or 17 miles an hour can into the wall. I believe he had a concussion and that was the end of the season. Missed the last three weeks of the minor league season. Uh, and he has a really, really good arm and really, really good range. To, to match all of that. So the other thing that I underestimated in regards to Turner is his ability to play center. And I absolutely know for a fact now that Justin Turner, spelled T-O-E-R-N-E-R, can play center. No doubt about it. Um, I, I don't think you can debate it. I think that he'd be really good in a corner. He profiles as a corner uh, uh, easy because of how strong that arm is. But he could definitely play center field without issue. Um so I guess the next question is, if, if he has all these positives, then, then what drops him down to 28th? And, you know, I, I love that he's not a slap hitter. I love that he's a contact hitter that can go to all fields and can find gaps. Uh, the issue is that he strikes out more than you would expect out of this, this type of player. You know, I think it was 27% uh, uh, throughout the season, or at least at Springfield during the 2019 season, that's way too high. Even though he has a, a very successful walk rate, uh, maybe he's being a little too selective. Maybe he needs to... And one thing that I feel like I didn't write about was there are times early on in a count or early on uh, where he's he's getting a fastball down the middle and he's not getting aggressive at with it. Obviously, I'd like to see him be more aggressive uh, uh, early in counts, but that's not really his game, so it's tough. Like, do we want him to change? Do we want him to evolve? If he evolves too much, is it to change his game, uh, his ability to make contact? Uh, you know, this is these are all the tough questions. The other issue is, you know, when when you're talking about a prospect who can strike out 25 to 27 percent of the time, 25 to 30 percent of the time, you want a guy who's going to give you 15 to 20 home runs. And while Turner has good power, especially uh, the left-handed swing, Turner has good power. On you know pitches in the lower half of the uh, the zone that he's swinging at and looking for, he doesn't really have tremendous power in any other regard. He does have good gap power. He can find the barrel, but it's just like it's a weird combo of things. Uh, as I say in the article, Justin Turner just feels like the perfect number four outfielder. He has work to do. He's going to have to continue to be a, a better hitter. He's going to have to continue to work on the strikeouts. But, you know, as I kind of stand here and I say it, Justin Turner kind of feels like the Edmundo Sosa of outfielders to me. Like, you know, he probably swings it too much, but he's more patient than Sosa is. But, like, I could see him having the role that we've seen out of Edmundo Sosa uh, uh, in the organization. You know, gets a little taste in the major leagues. Just looking for the right opportunity, looking for things to to fall his way, and you know, gets a major league debut, can do some interesting things, uh, can create a little havoc on the base pass, uh, can play a little defense late in games, maybe more of like you know, maybe a little less optimistic than Edmundo Sosa is. He's not as fast as Adrian Chambers. Uh, shout out to Art Lippo, uh, but he uh, he 
he might have like an Adron Chambers type role or type career. And it could be more than that. You know, if he continues to, he has a nice swing. If he continues to uh, tweak his swing, then it might be something a little bit more than that. But he, he definitely seems like the guy that, you know, spends a little time with the majors, a lot of time in the minors, gets a small taste of the majors, does some sparky, fun stuff, uh, and then uh, receives into the annals of Cardinals history. So that's prospect number 28 outfielder Justin Turner. Now, uh, the fun thing about this so far, and, and you know, I'm probably going to butcher it. I don't have anything up in front of me, but prospect number 30 is uh, a, a late round draft pick, you know, past the 25th round. Uh, prospect number 29 was undrafted and Justin Turner, prospect number 28 was past, you know, the top 20 rounds of the draft. I want to say, I'm going to end up butchering it. I think Fagalde was 30, Parsons was undrafted and Turner was 23 through 28. I always want to say he was 24th round, but I know I'm wrong. So, but you know, that, like that's really exciting. That's good. Like if you have players like this, that you can get in the second half of the draft, the back half of the draft, you know, even if these guys never make a major league debut or, you know, undrafted, uh, you sign them as a minor league free agent. Like that's how you build a strong organization, a competitive organization. That's, I mean, that's really wonderful. I know some people might look at that and think, oh man, the Cardinals are that bad that all these guys drafted late in the rounds uh, are finding their way in. Or they might say, man, they're really not making enough of their early round picks. Uh, I view it the opposite. I just think that they're doing such a tremendous job drafting late and making the most of it. But that's prospect number 28. Uh, the slick fielding, uh, strong-armed, fearless, uh, uh, full of fortitude, but with some strikeout and power concerns, uh, outfielder Justin Turner. Prospect number 27 is kind of the opposite of Justin Turner in that it is Mateo Gill, a 19-year-old shortstop. Uh, what I mean by he's kind of the opposite is Mateo Gill has a, a very interesting set of skills. Now, he's the son of Benji Gill, and I'm going to try to go out of my way to not bring that up as often as I've been bringing it up and as often as a lot of other evaluators and, and outlets are going to bring up because I don't – like I, it's important that we talk about his pedigree because pedigree is important in, evalu- in evaluating players, of course. But – I don't want him to be beholden to it. No one wants to be known as the son of a former major leaguer. They want to be major leaguer Mateo Gill. So, or, you know, if that ever happens. So what we're going to do is, while we're going to acknowledge the pedigree, uh, we're also going to move on from it as quick as possible. Shout out to the Gill family, though, because they're awesome people. Um, Mateo Gill is a... uh, you know, I, I want to call him super athletic, but he isn't super athletic. He is a hardworking, smart shortstop slash baseball player. And he's he's actually a lot of fun to watch. He has good speed. Uh, you know, there's some questions about his ability to play a shortstop long term. As most of you know who have been listening to me or uh, reading me for a while, I'm never going to rule out. Uh, a teenager at a position. You know, you had people last year saying Nolan Gorman's not going to stick at third. Well, they're wrong. He's going to. And we know that now. And the reason we know it is because we gave it time. You have to give it time. And, you know, what Gill and Gorman have in common is that they are relentless and hard workers dedicated to their craft. So while some people think that, you know, at, at most he might be a, 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 a like a barely average uh, uh, defensive shortstop at the major leagues, I think with the way that shifting has developed and positioning has developed, uh, you're talking about a kid who can easily be average with maybe some more in there. If he continues to progress on the track that he's in, he has a he has a strong arm. Uh, when he was drafted in the third round by the Cardinals, he was also a big-time pitcher. Uh, he could get his fastball up to 93. He had some interesting off-speed offerings. But that goes to show you that he has a really, really good arm. It, 
It needs to be a little stronger, practical in-game, but it's there. The foundation for it's there, and I'm sure once he gets his footwork settled uh, and more regular, you're going to see that that cannon uh, continue to develop. Uh, say that he doesn't stick it short. We've seen, and it's something that I've written about, the Cardinals are willing to give these guys a utility role, and I would imagine that Mateo Gill is going to, uh, uh, if it happens, he's going to fill a utility role at third or short or maybe even the outfield. Gill strikes out too much, too. Uh, that's one thing that he and Turner have in common. Uh, the Appy League is a strong offensive league. It was awesome that he had eight doubles and seven home runs and, you know, a triple in there. Uh, but he struck out too much, and he only walked like 7% of the time. In the article, I compare his time in the Appy League to Edmundo Sosa's, who is now a theme of this particular uh, portion of the, the, uh, the countdown, uh, to Edmundo Sosa's time in the Appy League. It's a fun comparison. Read it. I'm not going to go over it. But uh, in, in the Appy League, he was a good offensive contributor. He was 6% above league average, 106 WRC+. All positives, especially for a kid as young as he is. But he does have two major issues. He strikes out too much without walking enough. Uh, he's over which is to say that he is over aggressive and in a bat, uh, which you can get away with at the lower levels and still be an, uh, uh, an offensive producer. But it's something he's going to need to continue to evolve. And he is an extreme pole hitter. Now, you can see that beautiful, amazing, potentially raw, you know, I wouldn't call it plus, but above average power in his swing. The issue is that it's only on the pole side. Uh, uh, and, you know, when he's not effective, it's because people are exploiting him on the outside corner. Uh, you know, you get, a, you get up on him in an account and you, like, you definitely have the upper hand. You can work outside to him. And, he, you know, he has good gap power to right center when, when he's when he's hunting for that. But if he's not hunting for that, uh, it, it gets dicey, and that's when the strikeouts come, which is tough, too. You know, you talk about adjusting uh, uh, the sweet, because his sweet, his swing is sweet and compact. It's through the zone. It's I mean, it's wonderful to watch. Uh, but you, you don't want to fool around with a, a kid's swing too much. You know, it, it's, it's that delicate balance. Do you want to mess around with a 19-year-old swing, or do you not want to mess around with a 19-year-old swing when it's as beautiful and wonderful as it is? You know, this could just be as simple as approach and seasoning. I could see that. Again, he's a worker. He's a smart kid with a high baseball IQ. I would imagine that you're going to see him adapt pretty easily and pretty well uh, uh, and, and probably come close to maxing, maximizing out uh, his attainable skill set, which is wonderful. But, uh, you know, prospect number 27, 19-year-old Mateo Gill, there is a, a wonderfully uh, polished yet raw foundation for him to continue to build on. He needs to continue to work on his approach, maybe use all fields, uh, uh, cut down the strikeouts, and continue to evolve as a strong defensive uh, uh, shortstop. Uh, and all of those things I think are attainable for him, and that is a positive because you can't say that about all teenagers. You guys know uh, I, I'm usually reluctant to be aggressive with teenage prospects. And, uh, you know, to have... He deserves to be higher on the list. I want to say that, uh, especially over our next guy. But uh, he deserves to be higher on the list. But I'm doing what I do, which is try to practice cautious optimism with the teenagers. But I'll also tell you that he is one of one, two, three, four, five, five teenagers on oh, six, seven, seven teenagers 
on the Dirty 35. And I can tell you that, you know, 20 years old or younger, rather, not just teenagers, but 20 year, 20 year olds or younger on the Dirty 35, and I've never done that. They're almost all hitters. They all are hitters, as a matter of fact, which is all a positive and, you know, a direction, a positive direction for the organization. But uh, I, I, want to, I wanted to bring them up to illustrate just how high I am on them because I don't do that. Uh, and it might look at 27 and, you know, uh, uh, Mateo Gill at 27 and think, oh, that's not impressive at all. But, you know, with someone like me who is a little bit more cautious when it comes to raw talent and projectability as compared to some other people uh, because of how hard baseball is. I mean, anyways, because of how hard baseball is, uh, know that 27 there is really impressive. Uh, and uh, just, I guess, justifies the third-round draft pick uh, that came along with, with our number 27 prospect, 19-year-old Mateo Gill, shortstop. Uh, prospect number 26 on our list, and this is where I deserve to be crucified more than likely, is left-handed pitcher, uh, 25 on opening day, Evan Krachinski. Now, Krachinski comes from East Carolina. That's the same school that gave the world uh, uh, Seth Manis. So, you know, you're welcome. Uh but the deal with Kuczynski is he, after a good 2018 season, uh, an admirable, not great or standout, but a solid turn in the Arizona Fall League, uh, Evan Kuczynski ended up tanking and cratering in 2019. He was terrible at AA. He was terrible at AAA, uh, statistically. And there were few things to get really excited about. He went through a three-start period uh, at the end of June where you were like, oh, hey, now he's starting to figure it out. This is the Evan Kuczynski that, that I knew could be a top 25 prospect, a top 20, a top 15 prospect in the Cardinals organization. Uh, but it didn't manifest. He, he, after the, that three-start stint at Springfield, he got moved to Memphis. He was terrible at Memphis for about somewhere in between six and ten appearances, I believe, and then got sent back down to Springfield, had some good moments, had some bad moments, uh, and really it was a terrible, terrible season for Evan Krachinski. As I say in the article, I can't figure it out. He has a slider and a curve that work really well off of each other against both lefties and righties. He has a changeup that works really well off of his fastball. Uh, The best that I can do to try to describe why I think Evan Kurchinski struggled so bad during the 2019 season is uh, I, a part of me wonders if he's tipping his pitches in the article I mentioned that I see a mechanical difference when he's throwing his curve out of the stretch. I feel, I feel like I see that. And I also feel like I see uh, him speeding himself up when he throws his fastball. Uh, I know this when you watch the games, he solicits more half swings, uh, elicits, solicits, <laughs> tomato, tomato. Uh, he elicits, uh, so many half swings and check swings uh, with his breaking stuff that I can't help but think he needs to re-engineer his fastball. I think hitters are sitting on the fastball, and I think they're beating him up because they're waiting for it. Uh, and, you know, the other thing about Kuczynski that was really interesting is when you watched him in 2018, he had really good command. I wouldn't call it, like, plus command, but it was average to above on a daily basis. Like, I don't remember ever thinking in 2018 that, oh, this guy doesn't have, he just doesn't have it tonight. Like, he might not have had the stuff, but he always had command. And when you go back and watch that, he was leaving way too much over the middle of the plate. I I don't know if he was overthrowing. I didn't notice a mechanical adjustment from year to year. You know, it's not like he was trying to get used to mechanics or mechanics were different. I didn't really notice a mechanical uh, adjustment. So, you know, maybe that's something I need to go back and pay a little bit more attention to. But, uh, He's he's just too good with too good of a stuff and makes batters look too bad sometimes to be as ineffective as he was in 2019. Uh, uh, Like, he's one of my favorites. That's part of the reason why he's still 26th. I'm not willing to give up on on him because I've seen how good he can be. 
Uh, but he needs to get his fastball command down. He needs to continue to find the consistency of command and shape uh, of, of his three breaking pitches, a curveball, a slider, and a changeup. And uh, uh, that's the only way he's ever going to find success. He looked a little bit bigger last year than he did the year before, but in, in a good way. And, you know, maybe he just needs to find, like, the happy, happy weight. You know, maybe that's throwing him off. I don't know. I'm obviously grasping for straws because, in my mind, I cannot figure out how this kid was so, uh, like so beat up last year. It doesn't make any sense. He's too good for that. Uh, uh, so you hope that he reset this off season. You hope that he finds his mechanical cues that allow him to, to rediscover that daily, uh, uh, average to potentially above average command. And you hope that whatever needs to happen with the fastball ends up happening because, you know, my friend, Kellen Gardner, who we, we used to do and hopefully get to do again for a prospect prospect to be named later. Uh, hopefully, he and I will discuss it uh, again soon. But as we've talked in the past, like there is an issue that, and Colin nailed it. But uh, maybe it seemed like Krachinski was throwing his changeup more, like a substantial amount more, almost like the Cardinals were saying, "Hey, this pitch needs to get better. You need to throw this more often." Uh, and he was working on it and working on it, but it wasn't having success with it. That's kind of one of the things that happened to Henesis Cabrera when he was with Tampa Bay. Part of the reason why they traded him to the Cardinals is they, they it was like, you got to throw your changeup more. You got to get a better feel for your changeup. And he was getting beat around a little bit. Maybe it's something that simple. Uh, I personally just think that, it, you know, especially out of the stretch, he has struggles. Uh, uh, and he's just too good the stuff is too good and he's better than what he's done what he did last year he is more of the hit pitcher in 2018 than he is a pitcher in 2019 he just has to find it uh i again this is me with him at 26 left-handed pitcher evan krachinski uh i'm putting him there because i like him because i'm trying to stick with at least one ranking that cratered on me in uh, uh, in 2019, he and Evan Mendoza are the two big ones. You know, Mendoza is our prospect number 31, but at the beginning of the Dirty 35 last year, he was prospect number 13. That's a hell of a change. And uh, I believe Evan Kruczynski was prospect number 14, and now I've dropped him to 26, and he shouldn't even be on the list, as I wrote in the article. So we just need to see the big-bodied Kruczynski with the good pickoff move and, and the quick movement. Uh, 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 the quick pace, we need to see him find it. And if he finds it, he's going to be a, a major league option, something similar to uh, Austin Gomber. But speaking of Austin Gomber, one of the reasons why we know he really struggled with his command it, or is tipping a pitch is because he let up a ton of home runs last year. I think it was 20 or 22 uh, throughout the season. You know, we saw that out of Austin Gomber too. He had a big uh, power uh, let up spike. Uh, uh, a power against him spike at about the same point in their development, although Krachinski is older uh, at the level than, than Gomber was. But he needs to get his command under control, and if he's tipping his pitches, he needs to figure that out because the Cardinals need... Well, the Cardinals are in good shape. They don't necessarily need him. They've done some interesting stuff with Ricardo Sanchez and uh, 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 Matthew Libertor and, uh, you know, just, I mean, pitchers in general, not to pigeonhole the lefties or just highlight the lefties, but they have pitchers... It's just he could end up being something a, a little bit better. You know, not quite to the level of Austin Gomber, uh, not quite with the potential of Matthew Libertor, you know, uh, uh, maybe something as effective as Tyler Lyons down the stretch, uh, uh, something like that, uh, a combo somewhere between Gomber and Lyons. But he's good. He's better than he was last year. It's just I don't know if we'll see it again. 
I'm hopeful we are, and that's the pitcher that I'm ranking 26th overall on the Dirty 35. Guys, thank you so much for being a part of this. I'm sorry for rambling through the shower and all of this. Uh, Thank you for getting clean with me. I appreciate that. Um, uh, So, again, to kind of recap where we're at, we're at prospect number 26. When we come back, we'll do prospects 25 through 21. Some really interesting names on this list. This is where the list starts to get super weird. Uh, Prospects 25 through, like, 10. Now, prospects 25 through 11 are kind of weird. The, the, I, I love this group. Uh, the middle part of the Dirty 35 is usually my favorite to do. So uh, come back. We'll have it for you here in about five days or so. Uh, uh, and thank you so much for being a part of this journey. To recap prospect today, we went over right-handed pitcher Alex Vigalde, uh, right-handed pitcher uh, Tommy Parsons, uh, outfielder Justin Turner, shortstop Mateo Gill, and left-handed pitcher Evan Krichinski. Uh We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for being a part of this. If you listen to this, you're a part of the resistance. Uh, And as always, family, happy hunting.